May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. So it's been about a year since I moved back to Texas, or at least Facebook tells me, right? Facebook is how we keep track of things these days. I don't know what I was doing yesterday, but I know what I was doing nine years ago. And sometimes I cringe at what nine years ago Alan decided it was okay to put on social media, but that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. It was about a year ago that I was moving here, and next week or the week after is about a year that we've been together. And so I think at this point we know each other well enough, we trust each other well enough that like we can share some of our secrets. And I need to tell y'all, I really, really love historical markers. You know those things, you see the brown sign and it says historical marker. you drive past them all the time. I don't. Right? I don't care where I am. There's apocryphal stories in my family. Like there was this trip to Galveston. Right? Galveston takes about five hours to get to. This trip took like nine or ten hours. I actually don't know how we went because we were on 35. There's not that many historical markers or 45. We must have been like Highway 6 and whatever. And God bless my parents. I don't know why they did it, but they stopped at every single one. And so my boys and I recently went on a road trip. This past week, after church last Sunday, we, we packed up trunks and cases and all of that, and I took them to, back to South Carolina for summer camp. And, you know, going there, we, we're kind of in a hurry, so we're not going to see all the historical markers. But we do have to stop. Another thing I do is I stop at every single welcome center in every state I go to. I collect the maps, right? Like, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm just going to put that on the table. I get a picture next to the sign at the welcome center and... You know, if you followed me this week on Instagram, Facebook, whatever you saw, me and the boys, the first picture, I think they were a little peeved, so you saw like preteen and teen angst in these photos. But then, right, they got on t- into it some, and the pictures got better. And, and actually, the Mississippi um, Welcome Center, which is beautiful, it overlooks the river, it was closed when we went through, so we couldn't get our map. When I dropped the boys off for camp, my 14-year-old reminded me that I needed to stop and get the map. <laughs> so I'm converting some folks. Our trip actually was only about an hour longer to South Carolina. It takes about 16 hours with normal stops. It took us about 17 over two days. And so that's nothing compared to like doubling the trip to Galveston. So my boys got off easy. I was thinking about road trips obviously this week. and We have our gospel where Jesus is on a journey. Right, Jesus is journeying with his friends to Jerusalem, and we know how that story ends when we get there, but, but they make a, tr- a stop along the way. They stop at Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house. They stop at some friend's house to rest and recover. And so these are some of Jesus' closest friends, right? Mary and Martha show up multiple times in the scriptures. They follow along. Tradition has that they were with Jesus up until he died and that they were there at the tomb waiting after. Tradition has a lot about their closeness. Lazarus, when he died, Jesus wept. So that's a level of closeness there. We all know this story, right? Jesus and his friends show up. Martha's in the kitchen and she's busy trying to make... Whatever, like people show up at your house, right? You haven't vacuumed, you haven't put things up. You, we've all been there trying to see what's in the freezer, what hot pockets can I cook, whatever. Martha is busy, busy, busy. And Mary is just being lazy. 
<laughs> or at least me as someone who associates more with Martha, I think Mary's being lazy. And Martha agrees, so she comes up to Jesus and is like, Jesus, will you tell my sister to help me? And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, Martha. That's the Brady Bunch, actually. <laughs> Jesus said, Martha, Martha, a term of endearment, to use a double name. It's like saying, my sweet Martha, you're stressed and torn apart by many things. Mary has chosen the better thing, and it won't be taken from her. We've all heard that. We've all heard that sermon. It sets up the contemplative life of Mary versus the active life of Martha. And it, it, sermons we've all heard, sermons I've probably preached, set those up in opposition. They're not, because elsewhere in the gospel, like Jesus tells people, okay, it's time to stop sitting around and get to work. And so Jesus holds up the, the active lifestyle as well, because frankly, right, the contemplative life without turning into action is pointless. And the active life without stopping and contemplating is meaningless. But we've all heard those sermons. So today I want to talk about something different. I want to talk about just how radical this story would have been to the first people who heard it passed down. Or even more so, how radical this story would have been to the people sitting around in Martha's room. Because you see, back then, women didn't just sit at the feet of rabbis. Women were in the kitchen. Martha was doing what the culture expected of her. Mary was taking the place of a man. And so, just like a couple of weeks ago when Jesus tells the parable of, of the Good Samaritan, and we're shocked that Jesus would say the Samaritan is actually the neighbor, this week we have Jesus welcoming a woman to sit at his feet and learn like she was a man. Not to mention the fact that, that Martha probably owned this home, and she was likely a leader of an early house church. So she functioned in a pastoral role, role leading a congregation, which went against all conventions back then. Frankly, it still goes against a lot of conventions other places in the church today. So Jesus teaching at this home, Jesus inviting a woman to sit at his feet and learn was revolutionary. Every bit as revolutionary as saying a Samaritan can actually be the hero. Jesus continues to turn the world on its head because Jesus came and taught for everyone. Jesus welcomed everyone, Jew and Samaritan, male and female, you and me. So on my return trip from South Carolina, I actually could pick better music because my kids weren't in the car. But I was driving by myself, and I left after dinner one night. It had been a long week, trying to squeeze in visits to all of our friends, dinner with some friends and family that went until 6 o'clock. And so I don't leave, like, Aiken. It's kind of the South Carolina-Georgia border. I don't leave there till about 6 p.m., so it's going to take me two days. I drive as far as I can get. I get to some small town in Alabama. I don't remember where it is. It's about midnight. 
found a hotel, stayed. Next morning I woke up and I'm like, 7.30, I'm gonna leave. Got nine hours left, I tried to do this math. I've already crossed the time zone. I can get home by four o'clock. I'm like, great. I can get home by four o'clock and then start doing all these other things I need to do once you get home from vacation. Which sometimes makes it seem like vacation wasn't actually worth it. But I digress. As I was driving home, I was on the phone with a friend and was talking about you know, the trip there and making the boys stop at all these state signs and was also relaying kind of my nerdy history of loving these historical markers and all of these things. But I was also saying, I'm just ready to get home. You know, I'm just going to blow through. And this friend encouraged me. He's like, you actually don't need to get home immediately. Why don't you find a place to stop? And so I had found a place um, through Jackson, Mississippi, as I was going through there. I drove about 30 minutes out of my way to a small little neighborhood, to this tiny teal house in a rundown part of town. This is the Medgar and Meyerly Evers National Historic Monument. A small teal house in a rundown neighborhood 30 minutes outside of a small town that no one ever thinks about. If you don't know their story, Medgar and Meyerly Evers were husband and wife and they were partners in the civil rights struggle. Medgar was the first field secretary for the NAACP and he took it upon himself following Brown v. Board of Education and, and all of those, he took it upon himself to report on and confront racist activities in Mississippi and around the world. As you can imagine, folks in Mississippi and around the world didn't much like that. And he became a target of, of the Mississippi Citizens Council. And so they threw Molotov cocktails at places where he was gathered. They tried to run him down in a car one time. Couldn't get him. Until a little after midnight on June 12, 1963, Someone walked up this driveway as Medgar was opening his door under this carport, pulled the trigger, and killed him. Medgar Evers was the first nationally significant leader in the civil rights movement to be killed. And his family donated this house to a university and it now serves as a national monument with a historical marker. 30 minutes isn't too far to drive out of the way to learn this story. Medgar Evers was murdered. Medgar Evers was martyred because he was trying to turn the world upside down. Like Jesus before him, like his friends in the struggle, he fought for justice and equality for everyone. Medgar Evers welcomed everyone. Sounds a lot like our gospel for today, doesn't it? Welcoming everyone to sit at his feet and learn. Got Jesus killed. Welcoming everyone to share in his eternal kingdom. Got Jesus killed. Welcoming everyone. Got Jesus killed. So we're actually starting a sermon series this week. 
see what happens when the associate rector moves on. The rector no longer has guardrails until I become a preacher that has things like sermon series. <laughs> and we're going to call this series historical markers. And I mean that in two senses. One is I love these things. There's like 16,000 of them in Texas, so this series is going to go on a really, really long time. <laughs> but we're actually going to look at what we can learn about the gospel through these signs and these stories that we pass by every day and don't even think about. Because every story is worth learning from. But also we're calling it historical markers because we're also going to talk in these coming weeks about what are the historical markers of our faith. What are those signs of Christ followers? What can we pull out of scripture that says these are markers that show that we believe that Jesus is alive? So today's historical marker, based on Jesus and Jesus welcoming Mary, based on Medgar Evers giving his life for the struggle, is radical welcome. The church has long been a place of radical welcome. From Jesus telling stories where Samaritans are the good guys, from Jesus welcoming women to sit at his feet and learn, to Jesus healing people who are unclean, to the early church who welcomed everyone and set Jew next to Greek and slave next to free and rich next to poor, the church has always been a place of radical welcome. And St. Martin's has been, is, and always will be a place of radical welcome. The world tries to throw up walls. The world tries to label. The world tries to divide. We're not going to do that here. Because we follow Jesus, who taught and lived radical welcome. We practice the radical welcome of Jesus, who crosses borders. The world tries to draw. We follow and practice the radical welcome of Jesus who breaks down walls the world tries to build. We practice the radical welcome of Jesus who proclaims that there are no longer insiders or outsiders. We practice the radical welcome of Jesus who continues to turn the world upside down because everyone is welcome in God's kingdom and everyone is welcome at St. Martin's. We say it every week before communion, everyone, everyone, everyone is welcome at God's table. Jesus still has a journey to go on to Jerusalem, and so he and his disciples have to get on the road. I'm sure there's random historical trivia that Jesus is going to subject the disciples to along the way. But as he continues on his journey, he leaves behind people and households and towns and villages and, and frankly, a whole world that is turned upside down. Because these people, these households, these villages, the whole world has experienced the radical welcome of God's kingdom. And I pray the same will be true for us.
Amen.